Hello and welcome everybody to Paranormal Analytical. I'm getting some uh, feedback from somebody, so uh, somebody needs to turn some volume down from somewhere. <laughs> okay. Okay. Up. I'm getting some feedback. Can you hear me, gentlemen? No, we hear you, but I think you got a uh, volume up on two devices. Two devices. Might need to shut volume off on one of them. Yeah, they're even hearing it in the in the chat room. So one, somebody's got a volume up from somewhere else. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Nope, still hear myself. Still hear myself. Rick. Rick. Yes. You got anything on? No. Okay. Well, uh, we just lost Todd, so I think he uh, he was having some technical issues. Well, welcome everybody to uh, Paranormal Analytical. I'm your host Eddie Hill, along with uh, Rick along Warren. With, uh, and uh, and uh, well, hang on a second here. Whoa, that whoa, was cool. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And you froze. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. Wow. Okay, Todd, I'm gonna have to uh, get you off of here and have you retry. Up oh, there we go. I All think right. it's working now. I think it's working okay. now. No. There we go. There we go. Nope. I still hear nope. myself. I still hear. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, where are you connected uh, are at, you, Todd? Are you connected on your phone or your computer? Uh, possibly uh, both. Yeah, you need to kill yeah, one of them. One of them. You need, right. Let me. Can you, can see, you see my, my photo otherwise? Yeah, we see you. Yeah, you we you're looking you. good right now. Okay, okay. so I'm, so just, I'm gonna just gonna kill, kill, it, kill it, on it on the computer. computer. So, right now. so, yeah, we need to keep that going. Whoops, he dropped out again. Well, everybody, um, let's try this again. Having a few technical issues over here. But we do have Bigfoot witness turned researcher Todd M. Neese with us. Uh, he's been an active investigator for over 28 years. Born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, he grew up hearing of these legendary creatures, alternately known as Bigfoot or Sasquatch, but gave it little credibility beyond that of a good old-fashioned campfire tale designed to frighten young campers. All of that has changed for Todd in the spring of 1993. As a sergeant in the Army's uh, 1249th Combat Engineer Battalion, he became, or he came face-to-face with not one, but three of these elusive giants in the temperate rainforests of Oregon Coast Range while conducting high-explosive training. Well, at least he was armed with some good stuff. I mean, that's some good stuff right there for him to have. Oh, we got him back. Let's bring him back and see if we've got that issue well, fixed over here. Well, it says I'm lying. Come on. Yeah, we're good. There, there you go, Todd. We're just reading your bio. Okay, so... uh his sighting was uh, independently corroborated by three fellow soldiers who also witnessed these creatures. Since that fateful day, uh, he has conducted numerous investigations, including several long-term expeditions in the coastal Cascade and Blue Mountain ranges of Oregon and Washington, as well as Northern California, Arizona, Alaska, Nebraska, and British Columbia. Todd believes that in the tradition of Jane Goodall Bruett uh, Golaskas, I think I was not in the brochure. Well, I kind of uh, butchered that one, I think. And Diane Fossey, the best way to obtain credible evidence of the existence of these fascinating beings is to insert a small research team into the Hart Prime Bigfoot habitat for an extended period of time 
uh, ideally for 45 to 60 day rotations. In doing so, he hopes to acclimatize the creatures to their presence and eventually overcome their inherent apprehension of humans. You know, Todd, this is just, uh, this is amazing stuff. I and mean, I've always been fascinated by cryptozoology. Um, real quick, uh, how's everybody been doing? Uh, Rick, you haven't, had, you haven't even let you get a word in yet. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm doing good. Eddie, I'm doing good. I, I was um, waiting on this broadcast because it has so much to do with the uh, a lot with the Native American uh, folklore, not only folklore, but the the lore itself in that region of the Cascades in Oregon. I was out in Oregon at the Dalles, Oregon, and went from there all the well, way down to now, Puget Sound. I can um, see you, but I can't hear you. Hmm. What the frick? Okay, continue on. Volumes up. Max. Can you hear us, Todd? We can. Can you hear us? But we're having I all kinds no of sound. issues. Unbelievable. Now, he's not having very good luck, folks. Um, hopefully, we can get him on here in just a little bit, and uh-huh. uh, he can talk about some of his stories. Rick, continue onward, brother. No, as, like I was saying, I was um, climbing towers, microwave communication towers from the Dalles, Oregon, all the way into Puget Sound and uh, went over to Hanford Nuclear Power Plant. And all that region over there is nothing but Bigfoot territory. It's in the the Cascades. And um, they take it really, really serious out there. I mean, uh, even though a lot of people have a kind of a disdain for it, there are people up there that really, really take it serious and have... Uh, personal experiences and personal um, encounters. So yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to this night. I really have. Absolutely, Todd. Can do you have us on your audio yet? I don't think he can hear us yet, Rick. I think nope. we're having some serious technical issues. But you know what I'm going to try and do? I'm going to try and see if I can give this gentleman a ring and see if we can get him on the phone. But uh, continue on with Rick while I get try and catch him on here. Okay. Um, to talk about the Native American lore that uh, is surrounded with the Bigfoot sightings and the actual belief of Bigfoot, um, it goes back. It goes back for hundreds of years. Um, it was said by the Native people up there that uh, he was accompanied by the Star People. It uh, that this is a very might maybe an extraterrestrial being because some of the sightings that have been up in that area, his sighting and uh, everything else that goes along with the story includes seeing UFOs and everything. And yeah, I, so it, it is it is very, very intriguing to say the least about the experience, the, the actual sightings, the stories and everything else that go on with this guy because he has held the angst of every person that's in cryptology uh, for years, 50, 60 years now. He is the champion hide-and-seek winner. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? I've got you on here. Hold on just a moment. 
I think we're going to need to get you on the other phone because I don't think it's going to work off of uh, Messenger. Let me get you. Let me call you back on the regular phone line. Okay, there you go. Okay, let me try this again, folks. We're having a lot of issues here with this. But we shall succeed, I promise. Yeah, continuing on, Eddie, I tell you what, some of the... Hey, I hear him. <laughs> Hello? There we go. Now we got you on the line. Can you hear him, Rick? Yes, I do. All right, Todd. Now I'm getting found. Yeah, we I'm gonna uh, have to I'm gonna have to drop you from the from the uh video feed. There we go. And there uh, we go. Now we've got it. So yeah, we were just giving everybody your bio and talking a little bit about the uh cryptids and Bigfoot and some of the mm-hmm. things that you've done. But you've you were you not only had an encounter with one, which most people wish they even had that, you were encountered by three of these beasts. That is correct. Start off on the story. Tell me a little bit about what was going on. I know you were dealing with explosives and that kind of a thing, but what happened that, you know, all of a sudden you were confronted by these creatures? Well, it was uh, a beautiful day on uh, April 3rd, 1993. Uh, I was a combat engineer. Combat engineer battalion. And, uh, that particular day, we were doing um, uh, blasting uh, in three different sites. And this is up in the Oregon Coast Range near Saddle Mountain. And uh, we had uh, uh, blasted the first two uh, rock quarries that we were working in. And we had set the final charge, a, a cratering charge, and lit the fuses and jumped in our rigs and started to convoy the heck out of there. And uh, I was sitting in the second vehicle, uh, behind the driver, uh, in a Humvee. And since it was a nice day, I had the window open and I met my elbow hanging out. And as a hunter and hunting, having hunted deer and elk in that area, it was just natural for me to look around the uh, countryside and, uh, uh, look for critters. Well, I got a little more than I bargained for. We, uh, came around this corner where we had a uh, direct line of sight of the previous rock quarry that we had detonated probably an hour earlier. And as we did, as that rock quarry came into view, I looked down at the quarry and standing right out in the open were these three huge black figures. And they were standing side by side, looking in our direction across the ravine at our convoy. And my first thought was, you know, what, what the heck are those people doing down there? Because we, you know, obviously because of the nature of what we were doing had very heavy security to make sure no civilians were in the area. But I mean, I hardly got that thought out of my head when I realized these aren't people at all. Um, their, uh, profiles were absolutely different than ours. Uh, the thing that struck me the most was these, these arms that, that hung well below their knees. And it didn't appear that they were leaning forward at all, but here's these long 
uh, you know, long arms hanging down and, and, and the legs were too long, uh, completely black, no clothing on them, uh, built like really bodybuilders. So let, let me ask and you real so, quick. Let me ask you real sure. quick. When, when you first saw these, and I mean, and, and you had this first impression of uh, civilians that might have been in that area while y'all were doing these blastings uh, in that area with the Army. I mean, what was the first thought that went through your mind? I mean, when you saw this, was it fear? Was it like, a, you know, you couldn't believe it? I mean, what exactly happened when you, when you first saw them? I mean, what was the, the initial impression? Well, I was in shock, really. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it, like I said, it's a, you kind of go through a number of, I don't know, uh, really a process of, of denial to that of, uh, you know, ultimately exception uh, of what you're seeing. And once I did, I was just mesmerized. I did not uh, feel fear because of the distance between us. But um, the one thing that really struck out uh, was the two that flanked the larger one in the center were doing this rocking back and forth, shifting their weight from one foot to the other. And in the process, these large pendulous arms were swinging again below their knees. The one in the center just stood there like a statue, didn't move at all. But these two on either side of it were kind of doing the Watusi. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. And, you know, it wasn't a brief sighting at all. I mean, I, I watched them for nearly half a minute before we turned the corner and did it, did, it seem like, of them, but. did it seem like they were a family or, I mean, what was well, it? Well, it your might, might very well have been an adult and two adolescents or I don't know. Uh, I wasn't close enough to make out, say, facial features or, or anatomy. I was just, I was just looking at these huge figures and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, incredible and then we turned the corner i lost track of them i just kind of slumped back in my chair my seat and i'm just trying to reconcile what i just experienced what i just saw because you got to understand something i was not a believer by any means before this um about a minute later we arrive at the safety staging area to wait for the explosion and immediately upon the humvee uh, coming to a stop, I bailed out and ran back up the road that we just came down. I wanted to get another look at him. And I quickly realized that in order for me to go far enough to, to get another view of where they're at, I would have to leave sight of the group. And that was just a big no, no, especially with the, again, the nature of what we're doing. So I'm standing there on my tiptoes trying to get some sort of a view over this, this little ridge. And I couldn't. And while I stood there, uh, I heard so, heard somebody call out my name. They said, I, you know, they go, hey, niece. And I look over, and here comes Sergeant Martin walking up toward me. And he said, well, what you looking at? And I just, nothing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as he got closer, he says to me, once he knew nobody was within earshot, he said, I don't suppose you saw what I saw down at that second blast site. And again, I said, well, I don't know, Jeff, what did you see? <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but you know, I, I just waited with bated breath and he said, well, I saw three 
huge, hair covered, I don't know, Bigfoot, I guess. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, I saw them too, Jeff. And uh, so, you know, it was nice to have that corroboration. Not that I needed it. I mean, I can't unsee what I saw. And, and uh, But it was just nice to know somebody else had seen it. And uh, a month later, because at this time I was in the National Guard, we'd drill one weekend a month uh, by May's drill the very next month. Uh, two more soldiers came forward and admitted to seeing the same thing. So this sighting is unique in that there were multiple animals, which are fairly, as you know, not common, uh, multiple eyewitnesses. And of course the nature of what we were doing, which was just really blowing up the forest. Wow. And you know, what gets me is that with, you would think with all that noise, they wouldn't be anywhere close by you know, that they would have probably took off. Well, I would agree with you. Most people would. Um, you would think, you know, just the shaking of the ground and the explosion and the mushroom cloud that we put up would send every animal uh, 180 degrees away from the, the blast. So that brings up a good point because I... Um, I just thought, why would they go right to the scene of the crime like that? And it just, for me, I believe it was curiosity. And anything has that sort of a curiosity that's willing to overcome an innate fear you'd think they would have tells me that they're pretty intelligent. But uh, by way of... um, analogy imagine you're sitting at home you live in a suburban area you're sitting at home on your porch and just relaxing watching the sunset and then all of a sudden out of nowhere uh, a plane falls from the sky and crashes a couple blocks away from your your home into the neighborhood and of course there's an explosion there's a fireball there's smoke and the ground shakes and and your initial shock is is just that but I believe that, you know, within a minute or so, once you uh, regain your senses, you're going to go toward that crash site, uh, possibly to help or, or, or morbid curiosity or what. But uh, I think that's kind of what happened when they realized that blast was uh, an isolated incident. They decided to come toward the, the actual scene of the crime, if you will. Well, from what I and understand, again, I think that tells me how intelligent they are. Right. From what I understand, uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoot are are very curious animals, and they like to investigate their surroundings, especially if there's something new that they're not used to. Rick, what do you got? Well, it's interesting a story because uh, Todd, I was up in the Cascades. Uh, do you know where the Dalles, Oregon, is, or anything like that? And yes, I went all the way up. Okay, I went all the way out to Puget Sound. And I was with a bunch of people from Bonneville Power Administration, and uh, we'd go up in the mountains to look at these towers. And I got to talking with these people, and I'm sure probably the same thing with you. I found it interesting that after you saw these creatures and everything, did it really hit you that you had experienced something otherworldly, so to speak? Because the people I talked to up there, that's how they felt about it. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the most bizarre thing to see something, especially in woods that you spend a lot of time in something that isn't supposed to be. And it just makes me wonder how many times being out there that I might've been, you know, near them or they'd be around me or, you know, I probably would have seen some anecdotal evidence that I may have just basically ignored because, well, it's just got to be a weird shaped footprint in the ground or a weird shaped hole that looks kind of like a foot, you know, but having this experience, it, it, you really enter the woods at a whole different mindset and you start looking for things that you would have probably missed, uh, prior to that. So. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask you, Todd, I know it's hard to explain the, geographic locale that you were in. I know what it was like when I was up there in Oregon and everything. Can you tell our audience and everybody exactly what you're looking at when you go up into those cascades and in that mountain range? Because for me, words just don't get it sometimes as far as what is up there. Well, there is a difference between the Cascade Mountains, which is more of a Alpine forest versus the coast range, which is a temperate rainforest. And I can tell you, it's a whole lot denser vegetation and kind of triple canopy, if you will. Yep. Um, very hard to get around it. So it really provides some good camouflage for these guys. That's for sure. I don't know if that's what you're asking, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a kind of paint of view for the, the folks as to, what kind of environment they live in and what kind of um, altitude you were in and things like that. Because I being up there, when I was up there and I talked to the people up around that area, they took it very serious. I mean, we kidded a little bit about it, but for the most part, the people that I talked to and the people that I associated with up there, we went on a couple of Bigfoot hunts just for something to do. And they were very serious about it. They really, really were. And uh, real quick, oh, yeah. real real quick, Todd, uh, Darren Wedlock, he's from New Zealand. Uh, he's in our chat right now, and he asked, has Todd seen them again since investigating them? Well, that's a interesting question. I, I recently returned from an investigation uh, in, of all places, Nebraska. Um, I was invited wow. on a... Indian reservation, the Omaha reservation to join up with uh, the fellows that what I, I had been in touch with, but had not met. And so I flew out there. I spent a week there for five nights in a row. Uh, and you know, uh, encounters come in different forms. There's, the visual encounter, there's the audible encounter, uh, even, even a smell kind of encounter, if you will. But this, this place, uh, you know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. We go out to this particular spot and it's a very heavily wooded hardwoods, maple oak, that kind of thing, rolling hills. And we get out between midnight and like two o'clock. There's nobody else out there. It's about as pitch black as it can be. And my native friend would 
take us over to this one area just right off the road. And he says, I'm going to try to call to them, you know? And so he would call out in his native language. She would say, Oh, Kage, which means hello friends. And he would say, Gigaho, which means come closer. And I'll be darned. I, again, I, I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around it, but there was uh, a pair of lights pop on. Um, to me, they look like what I've been told and what's been described to me is eye shine. And next thing you know, there's a second one and maybe a third one and they're in different locations out in the woods, but they're moving around. And, uh, that, that it's, it's just hard to explain. You could see them blank and everything. And then there was vocalizations that went along with that, that, uh, was just absolutely fantastic out of this world. Vocalizations like I've never heard. And this happened five nights in a row and at two different locations. And, uh, I left there on Friday. I was out there Monday through Friday, late at night. Sometimes I didn't get back to my room till three in the morning. And, I, and frankly, I, I, he had to drag me away cause I, I didn't want to leave. What I was watching is I can't say 100% that it's Bigfoot, but when you couple these glowing eyes in the darkness with the vocalizations, uh, I don't know what else to say it is. And that was just uh, in October. So, yeah. And that wasn't any animals that were local to the area that you were aware of. Say that again. I'm sorry. I was like, that wasn't any kind of animal that you that, that would be local to that area that you would be aware of, correct? No, not at all. I mean, there were coyotes out there. Uh, once in a while we'd hear them, but these vocalizations are completely different. In fact, the first night we were out there, we had what sounded to me like a female just because of the pitch, the high pitch of the vocalization. And this thing was really, it, it sounded like almost like a, a song, uh, like she was singing and it would go on for like five seconds and stop. And then 10 seconds later, she'd do it again, exactly the same way and stop. And this happened four times in a row and, uh, very distinctive. And another time, I think it was on a Wednesday, my friend decided that uh, he was a, a Mormon, yeah, a native American Mormon. And, uh, he says, you know, we're not getting a lot of activity. He says, I've, I've only done this a few times, but let me, let me try something. I want to pray with them. See if it, sometimes that brings them in. I'm like, okay, what? Well, I'll try anything. So he starts calling out to them saying, uh, Kage, uh, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for your family and, and for your safety and happiness. And, uh, if you want to come closer, I, I'd like to, to pray with you and, uh, and, uh, tell you about my creator. And so he starts off in this prayer. But again, keep in mind, it's, it's pitch black. There's no, any source of light to, uh, say reflect off of, of this eye shine. So, Anyway, he gets about halfway through this prayer 
and fairly close to us in the dark, we hear this. And it it did this like four times in a row. And I'm telling you, there's no animal out there that can do that, at least not that we know of. Yes, yeah, so but getting, I waited. You were getting whoops back from from this thing. Yeah, yeah, he did it four times, and then <laughs> I just waited for him to finish his prayer. As soon as he did, I go, "Man, was that them?" And he, and he says, "Oh yeah, that's them. They're responding." So, so it, so it was incredible. That's all I can say. Real quick, Todd. Uh, I know we were having some issues at the very beginning with audio and, and getting all this stuff fixed up. And I want, so we're going to do this a little bit backwards. Can you go through a little bit of your background on uh, what you've done, who you are, and all that kind of stuff for the audience? Uh, we were supposed to do that at the beginning, but because we got kind of sidetracked, we're going to have to go back and kind of redo this a little bit. All righty. Well, just so you know, I'm, get, I'm still getting an echo on my end, so that's why it's a little difficult for me to to, uh, communicate here. But, uh, yeah, I, so I just, uh, retired from the army after 20 plus years. Uh, I'm an Iraq war veteran and, uh, it, you know, um, I live in the Cascade mountains, um, uh, near Mount hood. Um, we euphemistically call our house the Chateau de Squatch, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of our headquarters for our nonprofit organization, which we founded in 2015 called the American Primate Conservancy. It's a nonprofit based on science and education. Um, over the years, I've had the pleasure uh, to meet numerous people in the field um, and get to know them and, and, you know, mostly, you know, published authors and, and uh, very well-known um, individuals. Um, so let's see. Um, I did my first expedition on the anniversary of my original sighting and actually in the rock quarry uh, where I saw them standing. And my thought being, if these things are somewhat nomadic or uh, what have you, or migrate, that if they're going to be there, it just made sense to probably be there that uh, that time of, of the year. Um, five years later, I had my second expedition uh, with none other than uh, Ron Moorhead and, and Peter Byrne on my team. I don't know if your listeners know them, but uh, they are some of the most uh, experienced Bigfoot uh, uh, researchers I know. And uh, let's see, in 2016, I put together an expedition up off the British Columbia coast in what's known as the Broughton Archipelago, which is a chain of over 100 small islands, uninhabited islands, uh, between Vancouver Island and the mainland. Um, we called it Operation Sea Monkey. And uh, what we did is we put together a six-man team. We chartered a uh, trawler, 50-foot trawler, out of Campbell River 
off the of Vancouver Island, and we traveled about, I'd uh, say, about 70 miles north, and so we got into these islands, and we spent uh, six days, five nights, uh, anchoring offshore of different islands and uh, going ashore. We had two Zodiacs, so we'd go ashore and uh, uh, set up cameras, set up our game cameras. I have uh, a, a seismic ground sensors that will actually uh, detect vibration in the ground and send a signal to a receiver I have. Uh, I've got four of them. They each put off a different tone so you know which one's being triggered. Uh, and then we go back to the uh, trawler and take shifts uh, scanning the shoreline with a very expensive pair of uh, FLIR or, or thermal uh, camera. And uh, so we take like two hour shifts all night long just watching the beach because what uh, really inspired us to go there was this uh, First Nations Bushmen uh, of the Kwakwakiwak tribe had uh, told us that at that time of year, which was late September, that that's when clam season basically begins. The water cools down enough to where uh, any dioxin will die off. And he said for thousands of years, my, my people would come out here and harvest clams and cockles and mussels. And, uh, the bear would do the same thing. And the wolves would dig them up. And, uh, Bigfoot had been seen on these beaches collecting clams for really thousands of years. And so, so it was a major food source right up around there. Oh yeah. Uh, he told me, during that time when when the well, the, the clam season that there's more protein per square meter than anywhere in the world and he proved it too um, he went out in one of the zodiacs one morning with a big kind of a rubber made tub and he was gone like 20 minutes and he came back with that thing full I'm like, where'd you get that? He goes right over there. And I dug a basically three meter section of sand and, and we were eating clams that we couldn't eat anymore. Hmm. Wow. But it was a pretty, I think successful, uh, expedition. It was, it was more of a test run for a longer, uh, the longer we were planning to go up, uh, at that time, my wife and I lived on a 42-foot motor yacht in Portland, and we were going to cruise that up there and spend a whole summer up there. But it was a good exploratory trip. We were able to see what the conditions were, and, and uh, it was it was pretty interesting because not there's not a lot of history of people looking for these creatures from well, the sea. You, you, here's the thing, Todd. I mean, I'm... I have no doubt there is a Bigfoot creature out there. They've been seen, they've been reported for too long. But my question to you is, do you think these creatures are related or are or could be still within the gene pool of Gigantopithecus? I used to think that Gigantopithecus was a, a good model for these things, but 
I've kind of come full circle on that. And I actually believe that what we're dealing with is a, um, a relic hominid that has just survived, uh, where other animals may have died off. They, they, they are survivors. And, uh, when you look into the native lore, when they talk about this, they don't refer to them like any sort of animal, but rather a tribe. They call them the first ones or they call them the old ones. But, uh, again, referring to them as, as just an ancient tribe. And I think that's probably a better, uh, theory than Giganto, mainly because when I look into the Gigantopithecus, uh, theory, there's just based on where they lived in Southeast Asia and what they, what their diet was, it would have been just impossible for them to survive a trek across the, the Bering Straits, even, you know, frozen over. So I'm really thinking these things are just a one-off, if you will, from Cro-Magnum or, or, or Paranthropus or something like that. They've been here long before humans. Now, uh, I got my cousin, Tony. She's on uh, on the chat. She's from Florida. And uh, she says, Eddie, remember I told you a couple of years ago I saw one here in Florida. And those are the ones that they normally call over there the skunk apes. But I'm going right. to turn mm-hmm. this over to Rick real quick. And, Rick, I want you to touch a little bit on the UFO theory that so many people talk about as far as uh, Bigfoot sightings, UFO sightings, and all that kind of stuff being combined into one and, and see what he thinks about that. So just kind of jump into that. Okay, thank you. Todd, I was up there, like I said, up in Oregon and Washington, um, all around that area too. And I got to talking to some of the tribes up there and some of the people themselves. And believe me, there are Native American tribes up there that I never even heard of, okay? Mm -hmm. The belief belief and the um, culture itself lends it to be able to sit there and listen to what these people have to say and how instilled their belief from long long ago from the elders and what they call the ancients and i i was almost enthralled with every story that i was i was told and everything but they told us uh mostly about how it wasn't called sasquatch it was it was basically sasquatch and uh, it meant wild man and you're right within the native american tribe they are they are basically revered as being something from the star people and some of the culture's beliefs that these that that whenever a um, as we say bigfoot was seen or sasquatch there was also ufo uh activity around the area have you ever heard of anything as such honestly i i haven't uh other than from other people but i'm just my i don't know the, the, the native americans talk of them as a very powerful spirit of the woods and mm-hmm. uh there are a number of different names they use like omaha or it's it's the aha uh of course the quas the sonicwa uh different tribes have different names for them but you'll find one common name between them is skookum 
and that means powerful spirit to be feared. Spirit. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I haven't really been able to make any connection between these things and, and UFOs. I find that amazing because a lot of the stories and everything, and you have to, just like with you and any, any, everybody else that's involved in this, you have to be able to look at everything that these people say with objectivity. And you have to sit there and put yourself in that situation of what they saw and what they tell you. And I, I just find it thoroughly interesting that you had a personal experience as you did. That is just, wow, unbelievable, actually. But, I mean, I believe you. I mean, you were there. Yeah. So thank no, you so I, much I really for sharing that with us. Yeah. I actually got closer to one than I really wanted to. Uh, although it didn't show itself, I was in placing some of these ground sensors, the seismic sensors in the ground, and uh, a hailstorm came through, so I hiked up up onto Saddle Mountain into the old growth forest and used those big, huge trees as an umbrella until that storm passed. And while I was there, I answered the call of nature, and I'm just buckling my belt back up. And from my 10 o'clock, I hear, heard the loudest, most terrifying roar lasted about three seconds and it was well I'll put it this way I could not move for two minutes straight talk about and getting caught was, with your pants down <laughs> I yeah right well and you know seriously I think the reason this thing let off that sound was because I had just marked their territory if you will exactly and I've heard about I've heard about five other instances similar to that uh, where somebody just was answering the call of nature and got some sort of a reaction out of them. So I'll just tell you, I thought I was a dead man. I was like, if you're going to do this, just get it over with. Yeah, well, a lot and of creatures, you know, they not only use urine, but they use scat as well to mark their area. Oh, sure. And a lot of them have scent glands as well. Right. And I think that's what people are smelling, like the skunk ape is called that because of the smell they put off. And I've had one smell encounter that I have no doubt was put off by one of these because it was in the in the process of an investigation up the Roaring River. I don't know if you know where the Clackamas River is, but this Roaring River is actually a wild uh, wilderness land. It's the same way it was 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had passed through this area with this witness to, to go see this, and I quote, gorilla that he said he saw uh, when he was out there rock hounding. And uh, we came back the exact same route we took in there, and, and we walked into literally a wall of smell that, frankly, I. I don't ever have to smell that again. It was just so powerful. It, mm-hmm. it, it, but I say a wall of smell, that's the weird thing. It smelled worse than a skunk, but there was no warning as, you know, something smelled as bad as a skunk, you know, you smell it long before you get there. And this was like, you could step right into it. Um, and it was just noxious really. But 
you take 30 steps or so and you're stepping right back out of it again. Well, that wasn't there 30 minutes earlier when we came through. Wow. And we even did a kind of a cursory grid search just to basically confirm what I had thought. And there was no source of that smell to be found. So let me ask you something, Todd, since your first sighting, how many expeditions have you been on? Oh, doesn't. <laughs> and now I, I do make a distinction between a, you know, a weekend outing and an expedition. I mean, I'm talking duration of five or more days in one area. Um, I personally have led about a dozen of them. So in all those times, I mean, has this increased your sense of wonder as far as uh, the Sasquatch goes? Or, I mean, what has it done for you personally in your life while you've been out searching for these things? Well, that's, I'm glad you asked that because, uh, it changed my life. It literally changed my life. Uh, at that time, like I said, I was non-believer, uh, really didn't think they existed. And, and, you know, when I was confronted with the reality of their existence, all I can say is I, I 25 seconds of my entire adult life at that time, I, I was 34 at the time. I, it changed my entire life, 25 seconds. And, and, and pretty much everything that's happened in my life since then has been, well, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I put together an annual uh, conference, uh, a gathering of just researchers only called Beachfoot because we hold it down at the coast, in the coast range. And, uh, we limit it to a hundred people and it's invitation only, not open to the public. Uh, we've had people come as far away as New Zealand and, uh, yeah, uh, New Zealand, uh, Australia, England, Russia, they, they fly out here to come to this annual, I call it a retreat. Uh, they come at their own expense and it's just a time for researchers to network and get to know each other and share information. This year will mark our 14th year. And that starts, uh, it'll be starting up this year in the last weekend of June. And, uh, it's just, I, I've met so many amazing people and, and we share our research and, uh, try new things. We use both conventional, uh, hunting tips, if, uh, if you will, as well as some unconventional things that we've experimented with over the years. Let, let me ask you something there, Todd. Have you ever heard of a lycanthrope? A what now? Lycanthrope dogman? No. Oh, yes. I've heard of it. Have you had anybody claim or talk to you about any sightings which could possibly be a lycanthrope or a dogman instead of a Bigfoot? Well, that's a good question. Um, the ones, the people, the witnesses, and I've, I've interviewed numerous, I mean, literally hundreds of eyewitnesses over the years, and they've pretty much 
said without any doubt what they saw was Bigfoot. But I have heard of the dog man and certainly haven't seen any. We don't get a lot of reports of that around here. But, uh, well, the, the reason I'm telling you this is because we're going to be working on a show here where we're going to be out in the field investigating, talking to witnesses about dogmen sightings, which a lot of times I've been thinking, well, maybe they may be confusing some of these things for Bigfoot sightings as well. But, That's uh, a possibility. You know, <clears throat> there's so many people who have claimed to have seen these things, including police officers who see these wolf-like animals that are bipedal, you know, standing on two feet. And especially like up in Louisiana where they're known as a, as a larugaroo, and uh, right. you know in different areas as well. So I mean, th- these are these are things that we're going to be out searching for. We're going to be out inter- you know interviewing witnesses, doing this documentary series that we're going to be working on. And uh, so yeah, I was just kind of curious on that if you ran into anybody who claimed more of a wolf-like creature than maybe uh, an ape-type creature. Well, not so much in the areas I've researched, and I've researched everywhere from California to Alaska. And, uh, again, I don't, we don't get a whole lot of, uh, dog man sightings. Um, so I really can't, can't, uh, attest to that. Okay. I'm going to ask you Sounds real like quick a great also, experience. I'm going to ask you also real quick on, on the air. If we get this going, which we're probably planning on filming probably by fall, we're going to start filming. Uh, would you be interested in maybe tagging along and bringing some of your Bigfoot equipment and seeing if there's anything that we might be able to pick up. Absolutely. I appreciate the, you thinking of me and, uh, I have a number of tools of the trade, if you will, including a couple of drones that we use for aerial surveillance, um, thermal cameras. Uh, I recently bought a color night vision camera, which far and away exceeds what we've even, we, I've even used in the military. Right. Uh, gives wow. you full color you can see at night and make out a red pickup truck or a blue car, or, I mean, you know, not that gr- grainy green kind of right, but more your color I used in the military. It's just amazing. Right. Yeah. So, we're uh, gonna be, but yeah, we're, I would be more than happy to do that. That would be awesome. And, and seeing, uh, we're, uh, going to be with, uh, Rick Warren. We've got James tubes. We've got Gordon park. Uh, we've got our director and producer. We have, uh, uh, Miguel Cantu and, uh, we're going to be in the field a lot, uh, hopefully here pretty soon. So we're going to be working on different things and uh, trying to get this uh, documentary up and running. But yeah, that would be awesome. Fantastic. You know, I, I'd be honored. That that would be great, man. We're going to definitely have to stay in touch. Uh, Rick, it's, get, it's getting to be about that time, brother, if you want to do some closing comments and statements. Todd, I only had one other thing to say to you. I know that what Eddie and I and everybody else that's in the paranormal field, we go through uh, people that that are critics of what we do and what we see and what we say. And I know that is a big thing in the field of what you do with the, with the Bigfoot because they always want to know, well, why can't we find skeletons? Why can't we find, you know, any other evidentiary proof that these things exist and and I just want to thank you for coming on the show tonight and opening our eyes to some of the things that um, are right there in front of us sometimes, and um, they've yet to be discovered, so to speak. Absolutely. Well, it really opens your mind when you see what you you don't 
aren't looking for. And, uh, it's like I say, it's impacted every part of my life, including my current wife who is, uh, been researching in Florida, uh, where she was from for gosh, now probably 30 years or more. And, uh, it was big put to brought us together. So we actually, uh, got married at Beachfoot uh, gathering as a surprise to all of our guests. They weren't expecting it. So saved us a lot of money on invitations. That's awesome. There you go. Now, Andrea <laughs> says, would the beast at Bray Road be a dogman? Yes, it would. That's, that's, that is what they're considering to be dogmen on the beast mm-hmm. of Bray Road. And uh, Todd, go ahead and uh, get some closing statements. Also give a plug for your websites and what you have going on so people can jump in there and uh, say hi to you and see you. And uh, maybe shoot yeah, you a message if they, have a shot, if they have a sighting. Absolutely. Well, I can be con- contacted directly via email at AmericanPrimate at AOL.com. Uh, we do have a website for the Conservancy, and that can be found at AmericanPrimate.org, O-R-G. Um, but I'm always open to speak with people about their experiences and treat it seriously and confidentially. And uh, we are more than happy to take reports when they come in, and, and depending on the circumstances, we'll get right on that and follow up on it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I can be reached. And again, thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak to your audience and yeah, please keep in touch with me about the, uh, upcoming documentary and I'd be more than happy to help. Do you have a location you have in mind? Oh, we're going to be pretty much all over. We'll be everywhere from Louisiana to, uh, uh, Kansas to Oklahoma to, uh, Tennessee, a lot of these areas like that where we're going to be kind of jumping around quite a bit. Uh-huh. Sounds great. Sounds great. I'd love to participate. Sounds like a plan. And uh, Todd, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I mean, it, it, it's really a pleasure and an honor to have you on here and to be able to speak with you about your encounters. You know, so many people uh, uh, talk about Bigfoot sightings, but you never really get to hear what got them into uh, actually searching for Bigfoot or, you know, they don't really, you know, you look for people that's got the credibility behind them, and you definitely do. And uh, so I, I'd just like to tell everybody, if you have an opportunity, please visit his websites, uh, shoot him an email, tell him hello. And if you've got any sightings that you'd like to share with him, please pass those on to him by email as well, so that maybe there might be something he can look into or maybe help you out with if you've got an issue with a Bigfoot in your area or your property, and uh, you've been having multiple sightings, that's even better the more the better. Uh, this is something that we really need to look into a lot in order not only to prove the fact that Bigfoot exists, but also to protect him as well, because this is not a creature where we want to go out and have to hunt and kill it, uh, or you don't want people running around out there, you know, shooting these animals or shooting these creatures. Of course, you know, uh, it's uh, it's something that we need to really prove and get into the book so that we can have laws to protect these these uh these animals and uh and absolutely and i don't even know if you could even call them animals ancestors maybe you know um yep because to me these are more intelligent than just your standard uh than your standard uh ape or or that type of uh, animal gorilla or whatever you want to call it and uh right they they deserve to be uh, your 
so your guests know that our mission statement through the conservancy is the dis- discovery research, um, the um, getting them officially classified, and then following up with protections. And that's exactly why we're a conservancy. It's just we want to make sure that you know. Right now, it's open season. There are no laws on the books, and that's a, a project I'm actually working on right now to get them officially classified. So, well, so I want to make sure they're there. I, I, my goal is that my grandchildren and great grandchildren will have the possibility of having the same experience that I had, and that's uh, what I'm working on. Absolutely. Wow. You know, so that's awesome. You know, let's, let's all work together and, and hopefully we can uh, put an end to the speculation of whether they exist or not, because I, I honestly, my own personal feeling is that they do exist. I think they're out there. Uh, I think the reason we haven't found a body or we haven't found them in particular or been able to capture one, I think they might be smarter than us, you know, and uh, you know, and, and for a lot of, a lot, you know, a lot of people, that's not really hard to do if you think about it, especially <laughs> nowadays. But uh, Todd, thank you so much for being on the show with us, man. We appreciate it. You know, we we uh, we we can't thank you enough for being on here and sharing your knowledge. And everybody out there, you know, we love you guys, and we appreciate you being out here with us. You know, every Sunday or every Saturday when we're out here doing the show, and uh, it's just it's great to have everybody on here and on the same page. But until next well, Saturday, pleasure's mine, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So until next Saturday, everybody, take care, be safe, take care of your family. Keep your eyes to the sky. Check out the paranormal. You got anything to report, report it to us. You know how to get a hold of us, especially on Facebook. So uh, take care, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, gentlemen.